Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hupka, and I am the 2023 Vice President of Membership Outreach, as well as a member of the Pod Squad here at the Metro DC chapter of ATD. Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2023 Vice President of Marketing and Communications. We also have Helena Hodges, our Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. And for today's episode, we are so excited to be welcoming Sardik Love. Welcome, Sardik. Well, hey, everybody at Metro ATDA, uh, DCAT. You know what? I'm a former chapter president. I don't even know the name of the chapter. You know what I'm it's saying. It's okay. Hey, how y'all it's doing? Okay. It's okay. You got three years. You yeah. got the region right. We know what you mean. And we do have an audience from all over the world at this point. So it's a of big welcome we to everybody. No, I'm, yeah. we're so excited you're here. And we're talking about something fantastic this mm. week. We're talking about one of those topics I absolutely love. But before we dive in, it would be wonderful if you would introduce yourself to all of our viewers and listeners today. Well, for those of you who are lucky enough to not have met me yet, <laughs> oh, are you in for a treat? I am absolutely crazy about training. And uh, so my name is Sardik Love. I'm, as you probably have heard already, former chapter president of this chapter, former national advisor for chapters with National ATD, and currently the extraordinarily cool guy for Sardi Club International, the CEO hey. of that. And um, yeah, I'm based here in Manassas, Virginia. And, you know, one of the things about me, what I'm known for in the world of ATD and training in general is facilitation and what we're going to talk about today, the science of engagement. Um, I've worked in 32 countries. Uh, I got fired by Booz Allen Hamilton, which led me to being here where I'm at now, 17 years later. And by the way, for those of you who are familiar with Booz Allen Hamilton, and we have members who are boozers. Oh, yeah. I probably shouldn't say boozers, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, I love Booz Allen Hamilton. It was not a bad thing at all. My boss and I, we didn't see eye to eye. He did me a favor and he helped me find success elsewhere. And I like to say he fired me to success. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it was such a great relationship with us, aside from my boss, that relationship that uh, I've worked and came back as a consultant for Booz Allen Hamilton. So, yes, in fact, you can get fired and be brought back <laughs> at a higher rate. Hey. I'm just saying. Gosh, that would be an episode in itself, <laughs> yes. would it not? I mean, that's that's a great part of the story. I don't think I knew that about you, but what a way to spin oh, yeah. things around. <laughs> oh, yeah. I got spun around and brought it back and walked back in and had a higher rate. It was hey. great. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's really all about. And the spinning is just part of the fun, right? Oh, yeah. Booz Allen is so awesome, though. Oh, they yeah. are. They so, are. Yeah. Well, obviously, it is very clear that you were exactly the person that we should have here to talk about the science of participant engagement. That is far and away one of the things I think you were certainly known for and you do better than just about anybody out there. So a lot of times when you talk about engagement, the word that you hear is art. You know, it's kind of the art of engagement. We're here to talk mm -hmm. about the science of engagement. Tell me a little bit about what that means to you. How did that come to you? How did that term really um, become part of what you do? Well, you know, what's interesting, Stephanie, is so I've, I started back and, you know, when I got fired and I started on my own, I literally 
I launched my business 15 minutes after I got fired. (laughs) Waste no time, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I had it in my head. That's what I wanted to do. And I figured, you know, since I got fired and I was driving out to to Dulles, out into Herndon, because that's where I lived at the time from Tyson's. I was like, you know what? Now there's no better time to figure out what I want to do and just launch this thing and see what happens. And uh, I called a buddy of mine and said, hey, you know, I just got fired. Didn't anticipate that. And I was actually looking for a male bonding kind of thing. He's like, dude. Today's your lucky day. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Long story short, he hired me on the spot. He gave me an option, full-time, part-time contractor, you name it, whatever. And he's, cause he knew me, guess what? Through ATD, through the National Advisor of Chapters. He knew me really well. And so Rick Hicks, he's, he hates it when I tell the story because he's kind of a humble mm-hmm. guy, quiet and that sort of thing. Sure. But he opened the door and I started working for his organization. And that's where now I was a trainer at the time. Yep. And, you know, so I would go out and do that whole talk, talk, talk until you like the participants want to throw up. And I didn't know how bad I was. Right. You know, and so I would put people to sleep and I always thought it was because they were on drugs. Maybe they took some, <laughs> something at night to help them sleep or something. I didn't know it was Handed me. out on the way in. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and so uh, it was actually through their organization where they taught me how to transform into a facilitator. So Michael LeBlanc and Diane Dick at the formerly known as Randy Smith Training Solutions, they coached me around the world. And uh, and then I started, and I'm, a, I'm a researcher, mm-hmm. right? So as yeah. a performance consultant at heart, I started looking at the science behind things. And I'll, we'll talk about how I came up with this yeah. stuff. But the reality is I started looking at why did some of the things that they taught me work And then I went crazy with it and put my twist to it with the science backing behind it. And here we are 16, almost 17 years later, 32 countries later, two books later. Uh, Thank you, Vince, for firing me, brother. Thank you so much. I love the gratitude, Paul. (laughs) Love it. So what do we need to know about the science? Okay. So let's dive in. Let's Let's keep it it simple because the the way I've got my latest keynote and for those of you who may have seen me at the ATD Core 4 here in D.C. back here a couple of months ago or so, I, that's where I did it there. And I'm doing it in multiple chapters and in other organizations as well. So when we look at the science of engagement, let's start with the basics. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to give you a framework. So for those of you who are listening, great. If you're watching, you get to see our beautiful faces. But let me tell you the science around my framework. So I have what's called the engagement loop. And engagement requires three things and you do these things repetitively. So they're a loop. And the three things are you have to grab people's attention. You have to repeatedly give them a chance to connect. So there's connection and you have to give them repeated chances to interact. So there's interaction. So the three parts are attention, connection and interaction. Mm, Now, why is it so simple? Well, because most trainers, as I've started researching them many years ago, we're like my former self. We just start talking. Mm-hmm. We get up. Of course. And let me let me guess. Let me ask the two of you. And, and for those of you who are listening or watching this, let me ask you to answer the question as well. Um, so, Chris and Stephanie, have you ever in your careers as a training professional, have you ever delivered training that even you would have slept through? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I first started Absolutely. out. Yep. <laughs> okay. You know, that's the question that I get. It's a laugh, right? But the fact of the matter is we're like, oh, yeah, probably last week, right? For some of us, right? Yesterday, today, what? whatever. So the point is people fall asleep. There's a lot of data behind this. In fact, 
you may not be aware, but there's a study that was done and, and some research that was released in August of 2022 around boredom. Mm. And they found that in a meeting of which training we're, we're a form of a meeting, right? Sure. Okay. Whether virtual or in person. So they found that 52% of people will stop paying attention after 30 minutes in a meeting. Yeah. That's pretty they, long. And then they found that <laughs> 96% of people stop paying attention at the 50 minute mark. That's longer than yeah. I'd expect. I know. <laughs> but I believe every word right? of that. I do. Right. Yeah. Right. And for some of us, we killed that attention just six like minutes. that, right? Six minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <In> six minutes. <laughs> you know, we probably could come up with some world records. Some of you who are listening or watching probably would say, I can do it in 30 seconds. And you know what? I will believe Before you. the meeting but, starts. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. Before the meeting starts, we're going to put the you in suck, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, <That's> true. <laughs> so this is where I was really trying to understand why is it that people do this stuff? Why do we feel like we have to talk instead of doing the one thing that grabs everybody's attention? And that is grab their attention. Yeah. Right. Now, why do you want to do that? And why do you want to repeatedly do that? So the attention part, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of this thing called dopamine? Sure have. <laughs> what? Most <laughs> of us have in this space, right? Dopamine. It's that feel good thing. When we feel good, we laugh, we release dopamine. And what that does is it actually increases our ability to learn. It increases our attention span. It motivates us, increase our, increases our motivation. Now, people may not necessarily know that. So grabbing people's attention, here's where you've got to do it but not for the wrong reasons. You see a lot of us talk. And so we start talking and people will grant us their attention for like whatever, 10 seconds, 90 seconds, whatever. And if you're not novel, if you don't say something that's interesting, unique or funny, they check out. Yeah. And so if you think about what we've been doing just in this little bit of time that we've been interacting, look what I've done. I've been hijacking everybody's attention with a little bit of humor, Mm -hmm. saying some kind of unexpected things. That's what I do. And that's called novelty. Yeah. So let's talk about the science behind this for a second. Right. And then you all interject me because I'm like, once I get on a roll, it's like, we We love it. We love this. Yeah. You know, and look, I'm sitting here telling you to interrupt me and I'm sitting here going blah, 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 no. which is what you should not be doing right? when you're training. But, but let's, let's have some fun yeah, with let's this. Do it. Let's do so, it. so dopamine, the funny thing about dopamine is if you want to get it to be released, and repeatedly be released. Think about social media. Mm. What does social media do that causes us to sit there and watch Instagram mm. or TikTok repeatedly? Mm. I mean, I mean, how many of you? I mean, are the two of you? Are you either of you like addicted to some social media? Yeah, not yeah. A little bit. not as much. Although I I will say I tend to look for the things that are going to bring me up. Yeah, the doom scrolling okay. thing not so much, oh, yeah, but no. bringing myself yeah. up through funny Instagram things every day. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, cool. Because that's the point, right? Yes. Instagram and, and, and all these social media f- platforms, but particularly TikTok and Instagram, they're really good at figuring out what you like mm-hmm. to give you that dose of that's dopamine. Right. And so I, my Instagram, let me tell you, it's, I'm almost, a, you know, like afraid to show people my Instagram feed, <laughs> not for inappropriate reasons, because the stuff that shows up in my Instagram feed is absolutely, I can't make this up crazy funny. I love it. And so it knows that I get all these wild videos and, you know, and I start watching this stuff. So I'm sitting there looking at this stuff and that feeds my brain. Yeah. Now we can take some lessons from social media and think about your content. See, most people deliver content where it's just information. Yeah. 
It doesn't solve a problem. And it's just kind of like, eh, whatever. And here's the thing. If you're not solving a person's problem when you're training, you're becoming somebody's problem. Yeah. Because you're giving them information that's useless. So true. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and so you got to say it in a novel way. Don't, don't just say it like the normal way. You got to say it where what comedians do. Do a like kind of a reversal. Take them one direction and then do something completely weird. For example, let me give you one. So have you ever been to a Starbucks and seen somebody who was sitting in the Starbucks having their coffee or their drink of choice and not on the Wi-Fi? Sitting there just looking like a psychopath. (laughs) It's rare, but I've seen it. (laughs) Okay. See, see, you weren't expecting the part about the psychopath, right? So that's what I'm talking about. And now I grabbed your attention. Everyone's attention. Like, yeah, I've seen it. Like you just said, Stephanie, I've seen it. It's rare. Well, that's the Mm -hmm. point. It's rare. Say something that they may not necessarily have heard or put together quite that way. And then all of a sudden now they're going to pay attention Mm -hmm. Because here's an interesting science around when the dopamine gets released, what it does is it gives us that good feeling, but it also heightens our attention. And especially if you use appropriate humor, here's the funny thing about this, right at the end of the joke, when you, or whatever you do to get the humor, whether it's a meme, a video, whatever, right at the, at the end of that, they're waiting for the next one. Mm. Mm. It's anticipation. And so now they're waiting for you to do it again. And so Now you've got a chance to interact with them, but you don't have to keep feeding them because you don't want to overwhelm them with dopamine, right? Right. You don't want to get them addicted to that in training. (laughs) Just saying, okay? So so keep doing things in a novel way because it grabs their attention. And if you're not sure how to do this, here's a really cool thing. Shameless book plug for a second, right? Where can you find ways to do this? Well, in my latest book, Presentation Essentials, chapter six actually has... 13 different ways mm. to grab attention. So I call it the 13 attention grabbing ways or openers, grabbing, yeah. uh, attention grabbing openers. So we all know them, but you probably haven't seen a list and you, the two of you could probably put together a list. Many of us listeners could put together a list. Here's the thing. Do them, repeat yes. it, yeah. different you know, variation. Okay. Let me stop. Give you a chance to interact about all <laughs> of that. First part, the attention, the science behind it, dopamine. We want to be dealers in dopamine. Oh, I, I love it. I think it's such an important thing to consider. And I'll tell you, I had an experience just a couple of days ago that, that went into that, that land of the dopamine in a way, you know, it was (laughs) Mm -hmm. looking for opportunities to bring about that sense of feeling good in a group. And I have to say, I, I, this is like a testimonial for everything you've just talked about. It works. Yeah. As soon as they start feeling good, they want to continue that. And what that does is it really helps with engagement, which is something I'd actually love to hear you talk a little bit. The other side to that, how does this connect in with some of our learners or participants who might otherwise be disengaged? or want to to be disengaged. What have you experienced as far as some of those tricks or techniques that can help with some of our, um, we'll call them our more challenging participants? (laughs) Yeah. So people show up and and part of the problem why they show up, and I call it the three Ds, they show up disinterested, uh, distracted, and completely disconnected. There you go. So some of them will show up in those 3D formats automatically. Yeah. Yeah. And the majority of that is because their prior experience with training has been one where they're just there. They don't want to be there. They feel like they got other value. Their managers didn't support them, blah, 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 blah. So we give them a host of reasons why they don't want to be there. Our job is to be so compelling that they want to be there. So how do you do that? 
So that's part of the, the other parts of the engagement loop. First thing you do is give them a compelling reason to s- stop and listen and pay attention. Right. So that's the attention part. Say something novel. Okay. Now let's go to the next piece. Here's where engagement starts and it's in the connection. So part two of that loop is attention, then go to connection. Mm-hmm. The thing about connection, and I, and I have a law around this one. Actually, I have a law around attention too, but I'll come back to that. <laughs> so the law around connection is the law of common ground. And the law of common ground says we grow together where we go together. Mm-hmm. Now, let me say that again. We grow together where we go together. We are pack animals. Mm-hmm. Here's the science. We are pack animals. We want to connect. And the first thing you need to do as a trainer as quickly as possible is give people a chance to connect. Here's the problem. Most of the time, we don't. We sit there and overuse lecture. Mm-hmm. So we start talking. We don't give them a compelling reason to listen. And then we talk and talk and talk. Yeah. So now your question, what are some techniques that we can do to deal with this? Yeah. Okay. If you just think about this and in, in my programs, whether it's master virtual presenter for teaching this virtually for virtual trainers mm-hmm. or master facilitator for in person, it's all the same. You know them. Many of you know these, but the problem is you don't do them. And there's a, actually one reason why you don't do them. Here's, here's a few. Okay. Obviously we can put them into group activities, small group, large group. Paired activities, triad activities, quad activities. I mean, we can do uh, gamification. We could do a, a yep. number of things. Uh, in fact, I, I have a list of 34. If, um, if you were right now, uh, well, I know this is going to be recorded. So if you go out and look at askamasterfacilitator.com and you go to that website, what you'll see if you do it right now before it disappears, but <laughs> some of you will see this, um, but I'll give you all a special link where you can find it after it goes away. Oh, they only you. stay up for a week. <laughs> I have a list of, I have a, a, a document where I give away 30, is 30, a total of 30 different um, learning methods, hmm. 15 of which are active learning methods and 15 are the passive. Hmm. You want to use the active learning methods as much as you can. So out of that 15, and I have a total of about 40 that I use. So I'm giving away 15 for my second favorite F word, <laughs> free. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and my first favorite F word is first class. Hey. Yeah. Be when you get this. Yeah. Mic drop, dog. All right. See how this works? See the hijack? Love See the hijack? Okay. It. So we have to use those active learning methods that, and then use them repeatedly. Now, let me say one more thing, and I'm going to give you a chance both of you to react to this, because here's the problem that most trainers have. The reason they don't do it is they their courses aren't designed this way. Right. And I always say that engagement, participant engagement begins first by design, then by delivery. Yes. You've got to be using engaging methods so that you can be engaging, because no matter how great you, I or Chris may be as a facilitator, if we got a poorly designed course, it's going to beat us every time. Yeah, so let me right. stop there and say, again, engagement begins first by design, then by delivery. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to say, too, that was actually an area where I was I was thinking of asking you about that. But I think you've you've already kind of brought us into that space. It's that idea about how you prepare, because so much of what you've shared not only does it make sense, it's just it feels like a best practice. This is what you should be doing. 
But if you've never done it before, it's hard. Mm -hmm. And there are aspects of this that may feel almost uncomfortable, perhaps, if what you're used to is that front of the room delivery where you present things, you know, whether it's scripted, practically memorized, it's just that comfort zone. How do you get out of that comfort zone Mm -hmm. and start challenging Uh yourself? Is it practice? Is it, you know, is, is it that part of that design process? What are some of those tips that you have as far as how you can just get good at this? This is a great, insightful question. Mm. So it's an ego trip. This is an ego trip. Mm. Most of us don't know how to do, and I wrote this as a quote for trainers. It actually works for trainers, for leaders, and great communicators and influencers. It's all the same. You can just replace the word trainer with leader, facilitator, communicator, whatever. But the quote is this, great facilitators trade control for contribution. Mm. Now, that's that's deep. Think about Mm. that. Great facilitators trade control for contribution. You got to give up control so that they contribute. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody wants a solution to their problem, but they want to have a voice. And when we suppress the voice by talking, here's the thing, learning, you cannot learn and talk and listen all at the same time. It just doesn't work. So one of the challenges is we as facilitators, trainers, whatever you want to call yourself, We've got to get off this mantle of thinking that we've got to be the know-it-all, yeah. the sage on the stage, and we've got to let go. So I call this, and the easiest method to do this, if all right, y'all write this down, this is drum roll, please. <laughs> okay, drum roll, please. This is the hardest thing for a training professional to do, and it is to become a curious ask. Mm. Mm. Now. You're like, what, what, what did he just say? Cause if I didn't say it correctly, you might have heard it somewhat different. You might have heard something <laughs> completely different from what I said. So let me be clear. I'm curious, A S K, ask, curious, ask. And in my programs, I teach that habit. I'm going to give this habit to everyone. Cause here's a cool thing about this. I'm going to give it to you for my second favorite F word. Here's a cool thing about it. Cause you still ain't going to do it. It's hard as heck. I'm going to tell you what it is. Y'all want to know what it is? Yeah. Sure. Ask questions. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you're like, yeah, well, that's well, un- un- underwhelming. Tell us something we don't know, Mr. <laughs> Obvious. Okay. Okay. But it, here's the science behind this. Yeah. It's actually asking questions that begin with two words. Mm-hmm. What do you think those two words are? If you what had to guess? and how? Yes. Yes. You're a curious ass. You're an honorary curious <laughs> ass. Amazing. Chris, I'll tell you Facilitating what. Facilitating for 20 what. years here. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. yes. You know what? And it probably took you, how long did it take you to figure out those two words? Uh, you know, what? I, I, I educated myself pretty quickly in there. Yeah. But, but it was a, co- it a couple of years. Yeah. To train yeah, myself yeah. to ask those. Never ask yeah. why. <laughs> Never ask why. Most yep. people don't know why. We'll, we'll leave that one yeah. for like a mystery. <laughs> sure. um, if you're asking why, you're going to get punched in the face probably at some point. So <laughs> might want to avoid those. But, but yeah, you're right. Curious ask is, and that's what I teach, what and how questions, because here's what they do. The science behind this is they, when you ask people what and how questions, you're basically asking a form of an opinion question. And here's the thing about opinions. Opinions are like rear ends. Everybody's got one. So they're willing to share a response if you repeatedly ask them. So ask them for their opinion. They'll respond eventually. But you got to keep doing it. Here's the problem. Most people don't do it. It's the number one habit of great facilitators. Obviously, Chris figured it out. Stephanie figured it out. So the rest of you, if you're looking for more engagement, build the habit of asking what now questions and stop asking closed ended questions. Get it, go from sage on the stage to guide on the side. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, be curious. Yeah, Yeah. I I cannot believe (laughs) how fast the time has gone. Now, I know people are going to want to learn more. So before (laughs) we get to, I know you mentioned some stuff already, but before we get to those rapid fire questions, is there Mm -hmm. like a one place like we'll share your, your website that people can go to learn more about all of the products and services that you provide. Yeah. You know what I'll tell you? And my website is just sardiclove.com and that's being re- revised right now. So that's kind of the, the hub. But where I would say for all of you as training professionals, if you want some really, if you want tips like this on a regular basis yes. every week, sign up and register for my Ask a Master Facilitator weekly video blog series. Hmm. And that's where I take questions from you all. You all can submit questions. We take a question and I record an answer to that question every Monday it comes out. So askamasterfacilitator.com. Go and get it. And um, you'll be able to get tips from me until you get tired of getting tips from me. (laughs) I love it because we have just scratched the surface, but but we're not done yet. We still have three more questions for you. This is like scratch and sniff. Now it's about to smell good. Here we go. It really is. (laughs) Okay. So at the end of, I'm trying not to laugh too hard. At the end of every episode, we ask three rapid fire questions that require just a a simple answer, but they may not be Mm -hmm. as simple questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Bring them on. What is one book, obviously other than yours, that everyone must read and why? Okay. So, you know, I was going to give you presentation essentials for well, sure. That's, that's, for sure. that's an and, easy and one. And you right? should. Okay, I right. think you yeah. should. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's an easy one. But it's a great book. Now, my all time favorite book for training professionals and those of us who are in this industry, not just training professionals, performance consultants, blah, blah, blah. James Clear's Atomic Habits. Mm, yes. Ooh. I'm telling you yeah. right now, that book, if you've read um, uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, yep. which is one of the all-time bestsellers. Yeah. I think James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, is the equivalent of Dale Carnegie's How to Win mm. Friends and Influence People of our generation. That book is going to last for a very long time because it teaches you about habits and habits are the foundation of performance. So if you have not read Atomic Habits, I highly encourage you to read that. It will transform the way you look at training. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Well, I love how you, you slipped three in there. I, <laughs> it's a, I do everything in three. Just messing to, with you. I, I love a couple of bonus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. What is uh, one or more tools <laughs> that everyone, or uh, not everyone, but, it, and this could be a, however you define them, but what are, what is a tool or a couple mm-hmm. of tools, maybe three <laughs> that you can't live without? Now you're putting pressure on me because I only have one. (laughs) And the one is, I'm going to tell you the one that I cannot live without. And I'm guessing a lot of training professionals in this world cannot live without is canva.com. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Canva, if you're not familiar with Canva, you should go out there and take a look at it. But they are continuously evolving and upgrading this platform. And over time, they've just made it so much better. And the price has not changed. I tell you what, I can't live without Canva. Oh, that's a great tool. That's a great, great choice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? Wow. Now I had to think about this for a second. And so I'm going to go all the way back. I'm going to give credit to Dave Payne. Dave Payne is retired now. But when I was working with Chevron, he was at the time the vice president of drilling and completions, which is the unit inside of an organization like Chevron that goes out 
and does you know, they send the engineers to do the drilling, uh, whether it's offshore or uh, onshore. But he eventually became the vice president of all of their health, safety and environment. So he went uh, at the top of the corporation before he retired. And Dave, when I would do leadership training for them around the world, and I think I did training in like 15 countries for Chevron out of the 32 that I've been in and worked in. And Dave, he would open those leadership courses. And I'll never forget, he would say a quote. Now, he's, he, he cited um, Lyle's Law of Certitude, but I, I looked it up and I couldn't find it, you know. So I don't know if it was actually Lyle's Law of Certitude, but that's what I remember him saying. But this is what he said. He said, the moment at which you think you're right is the moment at which you must consider mm. that you might be wrong. Mm. And when you think about it from working in an unsafe environment or working around situa situations where things can become unsafe, it was very poignant. And so that's where I actually learned a lot about um, training and the impact of training when lives are on the line, people could get killed or get hurt. So he was really serious about that. And he said, I want you to all to be the moment you think you're right. You must consider that you might be wrong. And I took that and that transformed my life because I, I, you know, for those of you in the in the disc world, I'm a high D mm. and a high I. So if you know disc, you know, I think I'm right quite a bit. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm right when I'm not even right. But, sure. you know. <laughs> So, so I had to reconsider that I might be wrong. And in those rare occasions when I am wrong, it does happen, you know, um, that helped me to understand that. Yeah. So that's the best piece of advice I ever got from Dave Payne. Mm. Thank you. I think that's great advice for everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's that reminder that you should never get too comfortable. There's always something to learn. There's always something to question. You want to make sure that you are kind of on your toes at all times. Yeah. I mean, that is terrific, terrific advice. I yeah, say, I, yeah. yeah, I just like to say I like to call myself the humble egomaniac. <laughs> <laughs> I might borrow that. I really like that. <laughs> no. I got to say, I was really looking forward to this conversation, yes. Sardik. This did not disappoint in any way. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing. I can't believe how much information, how many ideas and, you know, favorite, second favorite, sorry, F word, things <laughs> that you provided to us. I mean, this is phenomenal. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's my honor. And, you know, coming back to my home chapter, it's a pleasure. And I'm also looking forward to uh, the keynote at the end of the year for you all. So there's just a little plug for that. Okay. If you're all around for members, if you're around for that end of year conference that the chapter is going to have, come on and hang out with me. I'll be there. And it's like coming back home. Aww. So thank you all for the invitation. It's an honor <laughs> to be part of this. We can't wait. And of course, a huge thank you to all of you in our community for listening and watching today. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you interested in learning more about the Metro DC chapter of ATD or following us on social media? Go to dcatd.org and click on About. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.